Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Bless you guys. Wow, it's amazing to be here. I like it here. And uh, I get the opportunity to travel around and go to lots of different places, but there is something about being here that is just like, wow, God is in the place. Amen? That is very cool. Um, I'm going to get straight onto it if everyone's okay. Um, we're going to look at um, an amazing part of the Bible in John. And um, John chapter 13, this is what the Bible says. Jesus is just about to die on the cross. And these are the moments before. And John chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says this. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Wow. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus is about to go through one of the most horrific and unbelievably testing times. And he's with his buddies, his crew, and he's looking out to them. And there's Judas. And some of you know what Judas did to Jesus. Some of you know that he betrayed Jesus. There's Peter. Peter is the one that went and denied Jesus. And Jesus gets a towel and he washes their feet. I'm going to be upfront and honest. I don't know when you read the Bible sometimes, whether you read it and you think, oh, I'm different from Jesus. Does anyone ever do that? Because I wouldn't wash those guys' feet. I would break their feet, yeah? That's what I would do. I'd be like, oh, snap, sorry, guys. I'm Judas. I mean, Jesus is washing his feet. He knows what Judas is going to do. He knows what Peter is going to do. And there is Jesus like washing his feet. An amazing moment we've got here that Jesus is with these guys just before the really trouble is going to begin. And then the Bible says that Jesus broke bread and um, he shared bread. A powerful moment just a little bit later there is where Jesus breaks the bread and he gives it to Judas. Wow. It's like sharing bread, looking into his eyes, looking into his soul, knowing what is about to happen. And there he is sharing the bread. Now, just as a little aside, I have to confess, men are not good at sharing food. Is that true? Men are not. You see, 
I watch, like some ladies, they all get together, they get a big platter on the table. They're like, oh, yeah, and they're all chatting away. Lovely, lovely, lovely. People are eating, no issue. Men have got a platter on the table and they're acting all cool, but they're like, wow, you've already had a piece of chicken, yeah? Yeah, they're watching every single thing that comes off the plate. They're like, no, you've already had a lamb chop, so you might want to put that lamb chop back and kind of, yeah? I uh, had the wonderful privilege of sharing a platter with Pastor Malcolm and we were in a place and we were sharing food and I thought that that would be a very spiritual moment. But wow, he is possessive about the platter. Do you know what I'm saying? There were moments that tested our friendship. He, at the end of the meal, didn't want me. He didn't want me to just pay for the main course. He wanted me to pay for the main course and the platter and he didn't feel he needed to pay for the platter because he didn't have quite as much as me. This is what we're dealing with, friends. This is what we're dealing with. See, men struggle to share food. We're watching everything that's, oh, okay, okay, you're having the badgie. Well, I am having the samosa, yeah? And uh, if we need to get those two things weighed, we'll weigh them out and see, uh, see what's happening. But I also, oh, my goodness. Now, I hope I'm not on my own with this, but, oh, when it comes to sharing food with my wife. Because this is what is classically known in the world as a lose-lose situation. Because I'm going to be confessing today, I feel like I just want to be upfront and honest. I like kebabs, okay? Now, I know that that splits the room. Half the room are like, secretly, I also like a kebab. The other half, you're judging right now. You're like, ah, some of you don't even know what kebab is, do you? You're like... (laughs) I've no idea. I just have falafel, 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 falafel. Um, how do you know someone's a vegan? Because they tell you, yeah? Over and over and over again. This sermon is taking a slip to the wrong way, but let's pull it back. And it's so true that it's like, wow, it's like Tamsin, we're going for a kebab. And we have this argument, and please, guys, stand with me, because you're with me on this. I say, Tamsin, why why don't I get a kebab, and and you, you can also get a kebab, so we've got two kebabs, and it'll all work out nice. That's what I want to happen. But she says, no, 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 I don't want a kebab. I don't want a, I don't want a full kebab. No, you just, get a, you just get a kebab. You just get a kebab, and, and I'll have a little bit of yours. Those are Satan words right there. I'll have a little bit of yours. Because that is never what happens. Because we start eating the kebab, it's a lovely kebab, I'm enjoying my kebab. She comes, she comes a little bit, oh, just have a little bit of meat, a little bit of sauce, a little bit, let's just have a little bit of bread, a little bit of bread. Oh, actually, I'm hungrier than I thought I was. Oh, are you? Are you hungrier than you thought you were? You're always hungrier than you thought you were. Yeah, so no, no, I don't do it, I don't do it. We're not sharing food, like, I'm buying you a kebab, yeah? She goes, it'll go to waste. Well, let it go to waste, yeah? That's what I say. I feel like I've got a few things off my chest. And shall we just pray now and finish the sermon? I wanted to call this message Caution Slippery Surface. Because right in this moment, I feel like Jesus is there. He's there with Judas. He's there with Peter. 
is there with Philip, is the disciples are there. One of them slipped out. One of them slipped up. And one of them slipped into the presence of God. One of them slipped out. One of them slipped up. And one of them slipped into the presence of God. You see, Jesus, as we read a little bit further in this story, Jesus actually breaks bread and he hands it over to Judas. And Judas takes the bread. And the Bible says in John chapter 13, it's really powerful words, 13 verse 30. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. It was night. Judas slipped out right there where the presence of God the powerful glory of God in this moment and the Bible says that Judas he just slipped out into the night oh you know if I had been there if I'd have been in the story I would have stopped Judas at the door and I would have said Judas no don't don't you're going the wrong path You're going the wrong way. You're slipping away. Don't slip away from the presence of God. Don't slip away from Jesus. I would have begged him. I would have said, oh, please turn around, Judas, and go back towards the light. I would have said, don't go this path because you're slipping away. I would have said to him, I would have grabbed his arm, and I would have said, oh, Judas, Judas, turn around. You see, those of you that know the story will know that the Bible says he took the bread and he ate it and then he slipped out and it was night. He then went and he sold Jesus for some coins or some silver. And Jesus was arrested and and then the Bible says that Judas came to his senses and, and he actually hung himself. He killed himself. This path ultimately led to death oh friend I don't know where you're sitting right now and I don't know what's going on with you but I need you to know that I have wept over this next moment but you know I need you to know friend that there are some in this room and oh you could slip away and it is night and you could spend forever without God I don't say that with dry eyes I don't say it with a dry cheek I say that there might be some in this room. You may be up in the back seats and you're thinking of slipping away. You might be here today as a guest and you think, wow, there's definitely something going on. But I'm going to slip into the night. I'm going to slip into the dark. And oh, I need you to know that Judas, he slipped out and it was dark. It was the night and he spent, wow, forever without God. That all that there'll be people here today. You know, I was praying the other morning and God just brought me to my knees and I thought, what if there's someone in this room and one day I'll find out that you slipped away into the night. You, you, You didn't embrace Jesus, but you slipped away and you went your path and you spend forever and ever without God. And yet you can hear my voice now. I'm like... Grabbing your arm. I'm like saying turn around. 
I'm like saying, don't slip away. Don't go that path. Don't just kind of slide out and find yourself fading away from God. Don't find yourself just, wow, drifting from God. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 6, we have all gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. You know, the truth is that this is a roadblock for you today. The Scottish guy on the stage is a little roadblock. It's a little sign that says, don't go your own path. Don't go your own way anymore, but turn around. Go back towards the light. Because we desperately don't want you to slip away to be forever without God. I don't know if maybe some of you caught up with the story, but in Skegness over the summer, you know, there was lots of people that were getting themselves into trouble like on inflatables. And the Coast Guards were like trying to put warnings up, send people warnings, and people were just ignoring them. And actually, it, they were in these inflatables in the sea, and people were getting themselves into trouble. It was actually like a 46-year-old man in Skegness who actually died because he drifted out so far. On a dinghy, he was on a dinghy, and he drifted out. He ignored the warnings, and he drifted out so far. And then when he tried to swim back, he drowned. And you know what, this story hit me between the eyes because, you know, here's this guy on his dinghy just gradually drifting out. It wasn't like a big shocking moment. It wasn't like a big devastating movement. Just gradually, slowly drifting away. And then when he realized he was too far away, he tried to swim back, but it was too late. Here we are in the presence of God. You're sitting here. And oh, there's no dramatic fist up to God. I hate you, God. Oh, there's no big dramatic moment of, I hate the church and I hate Jesus. But I believe God spoke to me that there are people in the room and you're just drifting away. Gradually drifting away from God. And God has given this moment, this opportunity to say, turn around while there is still time. While there is still opportunity, would you turn around? Would you take this moment to say, wow, do you know what, God, I don't want to slip away from you forever. I don't want to drift away from you forever, but I want to turn around. You see, repentance is not this big, horrible word that some people make it out to be. The Bible says repentance is just about turning around. I was going this way, and I've stopped, and I've thought, you know what? That is not a good way to go. I'm turning around, and I'm going back towards the light. And today that we would be like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to have this moment where I'm going to turn around. I'm not going to slip away into darkness. I'm not going to slip away. But I'm actually going to turn around back into the arms of God. And at the end of this talk, I'm going to give an opportunity for some of us. And it's a defining moment where we say, do you know what? I don't want to just slide away and slip away. But I want to turn around into the presence of God. I told you at the beginning that there was... Someone who slipped out. 
But there was also someone who slipped up. And that was Peter. Peter, I love Peter because, you know, anyone that knows me, my mouth goes way before my brain, yeah? And uh, I love Peter. And Peter's just that guy. No, Jesus, I'll take them. Anyone that comes against you, I'll have him, yeah? And Jesus knew that, Peter, you're going to, you're going to deny me. You're going to slip up. You're going to mess up. And uh, I think it's time for some real talk in church because we all slip up. We all mess up. You know, people like, oh, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Great. You slip up. You mess up. I'm speaking on a stage right now. I'm the preacher. And guess what? I mess up. I say dumb things. I had to, oh, no, not so much mm-hmm from you. And... Uh, <laughs> Just a bit too much encouragement on the front row for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, even three days ago, I said something dumb at the dinner table and had to apologize to, like, Kezia, my daughter. I had to apologize to my wife. Even worse, I had to apologize to my son. I'm like, come on, God, give me a break. Have you seen him? I mean, look what he's doing with his life. Come on. Jesus is like, no, no, come on, I apologize. I had to apologize. I get rings wrong and mess up. You slip up. If there's anyone here that doesn't mess up and slip up, you're lying. <laughs> so you've just slipped up. <laughs> hey? So, God bless you. So the thing is, people not writing that in their journal, are they? They're not writing that. I feel like We need to become a little bit more street smart when it comes to temptation. Because you see, we all face temptation. We all face stuff. Everybody in the room has got something different that they face. But Peter slipped up. He messed up in a way that is different to how you mess up. It's different to how I'll mess up. But all of us, we we slip up and we mess up. And then I have read a book recently by one of the Puritans. And it's called Overcoming Sin and Temptation. It is such a big book, and it is written in all the English. And, you know, if you get that out in the tube in London, everyone's looking at you like, oh, obviously that guy has got an issue. Look at his book, Overcoming Sin and Temptation. And this Puritan is talking about how do we deal with sin and temptation. I want to maybe give you a little tip that God's been helping me with recently. Is that, you know, temptation comes along to everyone. Every single one of us are tempted to do stupid stuff and to do mess up. But I like the story that there was a Welsh rugby player. The Welsh rugby team were out in South Africa. Some of you may remember this. It happened two years ago. And they were playing against South Africa. But the couple of days before, they were just doing a few recreational things. And they actually went to a zoo in South Africa. And the Welsh rugby player, they were all at this uh, fence and it was lovely and the lions were really close and you could put your hand through. And the Welsh rugby player, he put his hand through and he petted the lion. Some of you can remember the story. He petted the lion. He put his hand through the cage and he gave the lion a little stroke on his mane. And those of you that know the story will know that the lion ripped his hand. Like, absolutely. He had to have two operations in in South Africa. And his career was in jeopardy. And the whole thing was a disaster. And it's like a simple message. You don't pet lions. (laughs) Yeah, you don't pet lions. 
It's not a kitten. It's a lion. Does that make sense? You know, you mean kitten, kitten, lovely, lovely, lovely. Lion, no. And when we're dealing with temptation, some of us, we are petting sin. We are playing with sin. And we're identifying it as, oh, it's just a little bit of fun. Oh, it's just a little bit of time on the computer. Oh, it's just a little chat. It's a little gossip on the, on the texting. Oh, it's just like, oh, come on, it's not a big deal. It's just a little bit of time. So much pressure at work. It's only a little bit of release. And we're petting the lion. You see, it's not just a bit of nothing. It's sin. And sin hurts us. Sin will destroy us. Sin kills us. So like, oh, I'm a young guy and I'm mucking around on the internet. Nobody needs to know about it. It's not hurting anyone else. You're hurting your future marriage. It's not playing. It's sin. Oh, you know, just kind of having a bit of a gossip on the phone with my friend and saying a few things that are a little bit. It's not big. You're hurting your soul. And we're like, God, would you help us to identify the difference between some of your, oh, it's just a little bit of sadness. It's not sadness. It's sin. God did this for me a, a little while ago where I was thinking about something and, and I was getting myself a bit down about it and I was just, oh, I'm just a bit sad about that. I'm just a bit sad about that situation. And God spoke to my soul and said, Mark, it's not sadness, it's sin. Different. A kitten, you can stroke a kitten. Don't stroke a lion. Mark, don't mess with sin. Don't play with it. Peter, he messed up. He slipped up. But what I love about the Bible is that the Bible says that Jesus, and some of you know this story, after Peter had slipped up stupidly and made a right nonsense of his belief in what Jesus was on with, they stood on the beach and Peter told Jesus, I, I love you, Jesus. And there was incredible forgiveness. Jesus I know there's people in this room and we've messed up. We've done stupid stuff. I don't know where you're sitting, but there's someone in the room thinks, I shouldn't even be in this place because if you knew the things I think or the things that I do, I, I mean, I'm such a, oh, you don't want to even know about that. And Jesus, he stands on the beach and he looks at you and says, I love you. You're forgiven. Peter, you're forgiven. Jesus looks at you and he forgives you. Yeah. He's like, wow. It's like we slip up, we mess up, but Jesus is like, it's fine, come on. Let's move on. And when someone cares and loves about you, they don't keep on bringing it up, do they? They don't hold a like little register of the times that you messed up. You know, when you're in the middle of an argument and somebody brings up something that happened about five years ago, it's like, oh, I thought we'd forgiven that. Well, obviously, that's still fresh in your memory. And Jesus, he looks to our soul and he says, I love you. You're forgiven. Wiped clean. 
wiped clean. And then Judas, he slipped out. Peter slipped up. But Philip, Jesus washed the feet. He broke the bread. And the Bible says that, that Jesus starts to talk about comforts of disciples. He talks to them about being the way and the Father. And then Philip begins to speak to Jesus in the same meal. Philip begins to speak and Jesus begins to answer him. And there's this moment, there's this moment, suddenly Philip has slipped into the presence of God. Judas slipped out. Peter slipped up. But Philip chose to slip into the presence of God. And there's this moment where Jesus begins to speak and he begins to say, Oh, believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Philip slips into the presence of God. Oh, friend, you may have challenges coming up this week. But I want to say however big... Your challenges are making themselves look right now. However big Monday is making himself look, the presence of God is greater and bigger. The presence of God is greater and bigger. All that we would slip into the beautiful, glorious presence of God. Ah. If you get into the presence, you will get into the purpose. Philip just slips into the presence of God and Jesus says, you will do greater things than I have done. But Jesus, you healed the blind. Jesus, you cast out the demons. Jesus, what are you saying? You will do greater things. If you slip into the presence of God, you will slip into the purpose of God. You will slip into the purpose of God. And I begin to get excited about this moment where we're in the presence of God and the glory of God is here. And I begin to think, wow, someone from Heart Church puts their hand on someone with cancer. And begins to see the cancer back off in the name of Jesus. Because when we slip into the presence. Ah, we slip into the purpose. I begin to see pictures and images of of people around this room. Putting their arm around the broken and the hurting and the aching. Saying, is it okay if I pray with you? God's presence fills the room. How we slip into the presence of God. How we slip into God's presence. And we begin to understand that His presence is more powerful than anything we are facing. 
His presence is more powerful than anything we are facing. However big tomorrow's challenge is strutting around, we slip into the presence of God and our eyes are caught by His glory. 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 Oh God, you are awesome. You are holy and you are powerful. And God begins to speak to me about someone who's maybe got an interview this week and you're pretty terrified and I saw you in your car before you go in and you're looking good. You've got it all together but you're terrified and you just take a moment in your car and you slip into the presence of God. You slip into the presence of God and God fills the car and you're there and you're like, oh God, you're with me. Whatever I am facing is dwarfed by the fact that you are with me. Ah, someone's got a difficult conversation this week. Someone's got a tough, tough job kind of dynamic. And oh, it's not easy. And Mark, if you knew, but we slip into the presence of God. Ah, yeah. I'm nearly finished, but you know, a few years ago, I got the chance to preach at the NEC in Birmingham. There was 8,000 people and it was an incredible time. And I'd never preached in front of that many people before. And I was terrified. And not only that, but it was all on the God channel. And they were putting it all over the country. And they were having like people writing in. And there was, let's just say that there was a group from another faith that were kind of aggressive. And they were writing in. And they were like saying that they were pronouncing death against the event. And they put a message that said, we are pronouncing death against anyone who mentions the name of Jesus or the cross of Jesus. I'm the speaker. Everybody else is kind of going, oh God, this is awesome. Come on, this is a great challenge. Everyone is saying that except me because I'm the preacher. I'm the guy that's going to talk about the cross. I'm the guy that's going to be the name that this thing's coming against. That's terrifying. I tried to find a room. I tried to find somewhere. I couldn't find anywhere. I'm pacing around the back of NEC. I'm opening doors and there are dancers and there's band. And it, it, there was no room. And I ended up, I found a little cupboard. And I pulled the cupboard. And in this cupboard, there were brum brooms. And there was a hoover. And I was in this tight little cupboard. And I want to tell you guys that in that cupboard, the presence of God fell into that place. And I began to stand there and I'm like, God, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this with you. And God, we're about to see something incredible happen in the name of Jesus. And whatever's coming against me on the chat, whatever's coming against me on the chat room, I'm taller and stronger than that. Not because I am awesome, but because God, you are awesome. A few minutes later, a young guy's running up and down the corridor saying two minutes till the preacher's on where's the preacher two minutes for the preacher he's checking every room and then I heard and I opened the door and I says it's me and a hoover fell out and I looked at him I says don't worry I take it everywhere I go I'm ready for this he says are you taking the hoover on the stage no it doesn't need to come on the stage you know I went on to the stage full of the presence of God We saw 1,300 people make a first time response to God. 
and we saw the amazing presence of God come into the room. Oh, whatever it is you're facing, we slip into the presence of God. Your glory is here. Amen and amen. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.